0: Welcome to the Amazing Apps Show, for Microsoft business applications creators who want to build amazing applications that everyone will love. Hi, I'm your host, Neil Benson. and My goal on this show is to help you slash your project budgets, reduce your delivery timelines, mitigate technical risks, and create amazing, agile Microsoft Dynamics 365 and Power Platform applications. Welcome back. And thanks for joining me on another episode of The Amazing Apps Show. I've had lots of great feedback and connection requests since the last episode was published. We've even hit 2,500 downloads over the first two episodes. That's amazing considering the average new podcast reaches about 50 listeners in the first couple of episodes. I'd really like this show to be like your favorite Microsoft Business Apps user group meeting, where you can come to find out how to build amazing applications from other builders, like my guest in this episode, and from other customers. But, you know, without all the dull PowerPoint presentations and boring demos. My guest on this episode is Danny Cahill, the state practice lead for business apps at Australian Microsoft partner Empired, which together with its sister company, Intergen, are one of the largest regional partners in the Australia New Zealand region. Empired's customer is Lives Lived Well, a not-for-profit organization providing rehabilitation services here in Queensland and in New South Wales. I've known Danny for several years and I met Jackie and Ben from Lives Lived Well when they joined Danny to present their Microsoft Business Apps story at the Brisbane Dynamics 365 User Group Meeting. And it's too good a story not to share it with you. You'll find show notes for this episode at my website, customerly.com slash 003. That's the word customer with a Y on the end, dot com slash 003. Danny is a student of my Scrum for Microsoft Business Apps course. So is Raphael Urbano at Empire who gets a mention in Danny's story. Congratulations to a couple of the customary academy students who recently completed the course. Louis Guzman, founder of CVEN Technologies in the Dominican Republic, and Matt Baum from Dynamic Consulting Group in Mississippi. Well done, both of you. Okay, let's get on with the show and bring on Danny Cahill from Empire. Danny, welcome to the Scrum Dynamics show. It's really good to have you on. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure to join you here.
0: Well, uh, You and I have known each other for a little while. I really wanted to get you onto the show. It was really on the basis of that customer presentation you did with the Dynamics 365 user group here in Brisbane. It's great to have a local onto the show. Thanks for being able to record in the middle of the day instead of uh, in the middle of the night, which I often have to do. Uh, you presented a customer case study, and I'd love you to share the lessons learned from that project with the Scrum Dynamics audience.
1: Yeah, it's, it has been a great journey. Thank you, Nilia. Yeah, indeed, we have known each other since uh, a bit already here in Brisbane. Um, it's great to be in the user group and kind of sharing the stories and yeah, look, you have been at the, at the presentation and I think a lot of the successes of that project are also relating to how we have implemented it and the way we have implemented that project using, look, look agile, uh, but essentially as well, uh, using some of your scrum techniques, I would be glad to share some details with you here.
0: Okay, great. Well, just before we do that and get started, I'd love to let the listeners know a little bit more about you. We normally ask guests to start off with sharing what they had for breakfast this morning.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Ninja. Look, I usually always have the same for my breakfast, which is essentially a toast with banana and peanut butter. Um, oh. yeah. yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah. really, really healthy. Yeah. 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 I put sometimes a little bit of honey, which makes it a bit, a bit less healthy, but you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah.
0: Good. And um, I'd love to know how you got your first job after school. And then after that, if you can tell us what you're currently doing today, what your current role yeah, is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, after after uni, essentially, I mean, at the last year of uni, I enrolled to a program called ISEC. Not sure if you if you know. So ISEC is essentially a student organization and they help uh, students finding internships uh abroad so i enrolled in that and they found me an internship in malaysia for a company um, called mind valley it was a small startup at that time it's a way bigger company today so i went for six months in malaysia and i was actually a web developer for six months yeah yeah so i was actually coding in php and and all this um and then essentially so i met my wife there she was working in the same company and then, so she's Dutch. I'm half Polish, half Lebanese, and don't know. She found a job in Belgium. After that, and then I followed her, and yeah, and I started working dynamics in Belgium. Actually, after that, so that was oh, my great. first experience. And then your second question was, "What I'm doing today, right?"
0: And uh, tell us, tell us about your role today. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, four years ago. Um, I moved to Australia from Belgium, essentially, right? And my role today is practice lead for a company called Empire. So I'm a Dynamics, um, actually Microsoft business application practice lead for Empire in Queensland, right? For, um, so Empire is, uh, is, is one of the many SI, um, implementing, be um, implementing essentially Dynamics GX5 and Power Platform projects for our clients um so yes yeah, so i'm client facing most of the time and also dealing you know with pre-sales and kind of helping um you know recruit people as well for our project here in queensland so yeah
0: um, and tell us about the client you're you performed this recent successful project for can you share the name with us
1: yeah yeah sure so the name uh it's lives lived well um so we started about one and a half year ago uh, working with them. And so well, essentially what they do is um they have about 70 offices, 70 centers here in Queensland and New South Wales. New South Wales is another uh region in Australia, another state actually in Australia. So they cover, they are covering now two states, 70 locations. And essentially what they do, they provide support services to people that have drugs and alcohol issues. So you know providing uh, care and consulting support and kind of trying to um yeah help those people you know getting better and 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 kind of getting rid of those addictions so they have about 300 staff lovely people great project um they have been evaluating uh, a couple of a couple of platforms before choosing dynamics and so they went through a kind of a rigorous RFP process yeah
0: were they an Empired client uh, in the not-for-profit sector before no. the business applications project? Or was this a brand new client and a brand new project?
1: It was a brand new client and a brand new project. For, and actually, they were looking for ERP and CRM. So the offering we made was uh, Dynamics 365 Business Central, BC, plus Dynamics 365 C for um, the client care, essentially.
0: And, and tell us a little bit about how the project kicked off. How did it get started?
1: Yeah. So, so they had a list of, of requirements, but of course the requirements were not very, very detailed and there were still a lot of ambiguity in the requirements. And the clients was very, uh, honest and upfront with us at the beginning. They said, look, this is the list that we capture of the last, the last year. We will need to review those to validate those and so forth. So normally I say, or I picked that from my client. They actually said that up front. So it was kind of nice. So it was a good fit with kind of introducing Agile. It was kind of new to them, that concept of, of Agile. So the IT director knew and had some experience, but the, what we call now the product owner didn't, right? So it was she was actually not called the product owner at the beginning. So we kind of started introducing Agile more and more... It, it was a bit a loose scrum at the beginning, but, you know, we had sprints. We had, uh, I think the stand were not even, I'm talking about the beginning, right? The stand were not even happening every day. It was every every two, three days and so forth. So all the ceremonies were not really, you know, scheduled, especially at the beginning. And we were kind of educating the client along the way. We actually divided that project in in phases, right, so we had multiple phases, and each phase had two two sprints and after um, After the second sprint, so after, at the end of the phase, we were asking the client to test it was a little and, and each sprint was about three weeks, so three weeks sprints and uh, two sprints in one phase. At the end of one phase, we were asking the client to test and then we were releasing that to a test environment and then to a production environment if they wanted to. So we kind of took it a little bit loose at the beginning to introduce all those concepts to the client. You know, we set up everything in Azure DevOps, uh, user stories, uh, features, epics. And look, we were, we were owning that at the beginning, to be honest, right? So we were actually writing the user stories based on what they provided us there.
0: Okay, so you're saying that the, the Empire consultants were, were writing the user stories and managing the backlog at the start? Yes,
1: yes. We were doing that, I mean, for the client, with the client, right? So sharing that, uh, you know, on, on, on meetings and on workshops and, and kind of discussing to introduce the clients and look over... The time of the project, so after a couple of weeks, the client started to pick up a bit more you know how that works and how user stories are getting you know uh, refined with acceptance criteria, how we move them from one sprint to another, and so forth so as we went through the project, I think so the project had eight phases, and each phase, as I said, it was a, a three weeks uh, two three week sprints after phase three or four, we really started introducing. Pure Scrum uh, concepts at that times, or just before I listened to your, I follow actually your course, Neil. Um, so it was kind of fresh in my mind. Our project manager from Empire knew pretty well um, Scrum as well. So together with my with my peer from Empire, we organized a couple of sessions and really educating. What is now the product owner, she was not really called at that time, but educating about the roles and explaining, look, until now we have done this right? So you see those concepts of Agile, they work for us. It means that you can still reprioritize your requirements. And actually, the client was very happy about that approach, right? In the beginning that we could shift things. So we explained, look, that's real. That is That is a core concept of Agile, right? That you can kind of evolve your requirements and based on your current needs, we can still shift things. So they were happy to kind of go one level further and... You know, learn more about, about Scrum. And I think from phase four until phase eight, and now we are, I'm still helping the client. Um, so we're still in phase nine. We're starting phase nine now. We, we are live and everything, but there is you know project continues after phase four we really introduce scrum ceremonies right and we had daily stand-ups we had um, sprint planning sprint review sprint retro all were there and you know the so phase five was a bit you know <laughs> a discovery for everyone
0: okay So it became a little bit of a challenge to to introduce all of Scrum at that point.
1: Oh, in phase. So in phase five, because we run that project in kind of a agile way from the beginning, the client knew how that was working. It was just more uh, formalized from phase five. We really had those sprint planning session, two, three hours go through DevOps, prioritize things. and So the fir- look, the first one was a little bit, you know, everybody needs to learn that formal process. But as we went through the project, as we went, um, I mean, phase seven and, and eight, now it's, it's working great, right? Everybody jumps in DevOps. We discuss things there. You know, we have the sprint planning, the sprint reviews. So throughout between phase five and phase eight, we kind of improved that process as well. And yeah, it's really now that um, I think towards the end that is really a, a smooth, that we found that smooth way of working using using Scrum. Uh, but yeah, but that was really successful in that manner. Yeah.
0: Can I ask you about the project manager from Empire? You said that yeah. he had some previous experience with Scrum. Yeah. How critical was that to the success of the project? Do you think... That a project team with no Scrum experience could learn Scrum on the project and be successful?
1: Oh uh, I I doubt. I, I doubt that really a team without any experience would be able to it, it would take maybe longer or they would need at some point I think some some so I got some great advice from that from that project manager from from his from his experience look, I had some experience from some colleagues at empire as well. So uh, Raf, Rafael Urbano, that we know um, together as well. He followed your course a little bit before me. And he, he kind of uh, did a couple of, of scrum projects before as well. So when I had some questions, I could always check with him as well. So if you have at least someone to check with, I would say, then maybe. But look, that was not the case for us. So I cannot really compare, Neil. And, and yeah, we I had that support.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an advantage to have somebody a scrum master who's experienced with scrum to lead you on that first project.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, and it was good, for example, that so I followed I had some a bit of experience in scrum before that, then I followed your course. So all those concepts kind of, you know, please made made a bit more sense as well, especially in the dynamics implementation. And then because that PM had scrum experience, we could together complement each other and each other's ideas when you're expressing that to the client, instead of only myself, you know, trying to sell something or sell a concept to a client, I have a good, you know, I'm saying something. And if I miss something to kind of make it clear to the client, Jan or my, my, my PM would compliment. Uh, oh, but this is this Danny means this. And so it's always nice to have a second person to kind of back you up in, in, in some of those concepts and sharing this experience, so yeah.
0: Quite often I find in our business applications projects, we are working with product owners, Mm. and for them it's the first time they've ever had that role.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Tell me about your product owner's learning of of her responsibilities. What was that process like for her, Yeah. and uh, what advice would you give to other first-time product owners, maybe a Microsoft customer who's listening to this, who is maybe about to embark on a business app's Project for the first time yeah. as a product owner
1: yeah yeah oh that's that's a nice one so look we have we, we we have we have a great pr- um, product owner so as i said during the first four four phases so for four first f- five months let's say right she was acting more uh so she was not called the product owner but she was acting as a product owner anyway right uh she had um enough kind of power within the organization to take the decision. And if there was some, you know, some clarities, she knew who to check with in in the management to kind of get the answers, right? So we were super lucky uh, to have that product owner, she was not called product owner at that time, that had that level of responsibility already in the organization. She was fully engaged. She was full-time, I think, from the beginning already on the project. Um, she knew the business very well
0: that's quite unusual actually
1: yeah and she knew she knew the business very well she was before a manager of a region so she went through a couple of roles even internally so she knew the business super well she could explain me and with a with a great context what why requirements was was kind of important for them and using great example that made it super, super clear for us to understand. So we were super lucky there. So when we kind of introduced the concept of product owner to her, it was just a name, but she was, she was already wearing and, and, and taking those responsibilities anyway, right? The only extra thing that she was doing, she was managing now DevOps and kind of working in there, right?
0: but she has she's got no prior experience with microsoft dynamics 365 business central or no. customer engagement
1: no um
0: was she a, was she a technical person did she pick up you know business application concepts pretty quickly look um do you think that's do you think that's necessary to know what an entity is and a view and
1: it it helps it, it helps so she also had so the product owner had um the help of of another lady who was very very I mean, who, who knew the business as well, but that's very technical, could grasp all those concepts um, very well, while the current product owner was more, um, she knew the, the context from from business perspective very well. So look, there was a, a couple of challenges in terms of, of understanding some technicalities, but look, when those were very detailed or very technical, then that was a bit of a challenge, then we were kind of and anyway those were discussed then we were discussing those with IT or with the IT support who were pretty much uh, on board as well with us and and kind of grasped those com- concepts pretty well so to going back to your essential question what would be you know the recommendation or the tips for a fresh product owner uh, on a project look definitely i think that would help if you know the business pretty well that's one thing i think i mean i wouldn't I wouldn't imagine having a product owner that doesn't know the business for who you know that they are implementing, or they know who to reach that knows the business very well, right? That would be the key, I think. And having a level of responsibilities, they need to be empowered to make to make decisions, right? I mean, she she was the product owner was making decision. Almost all decisions were were made. Fairly smoothly, right? Only those bigger ones where we were discussing some major design changes or, you know, some limitation of, of, of the platform that came through, uh, some very specific requirements. Well, then she had to validate with, you know, with management or with her, 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 her managers. What do we do and what are the next steps, right? But yeah, most of the decisions, Based from the decisions on the user stories and the implementation, would made very smoothly. So that really helped. So having that level of responsibility within your organization really helped as well. I think.
0: Uh, tell me about the development team. Was that purely an Empire team? Was it a blend of client and Empire resources? And um, how did that look over the course of the project? Were, yeah. So look, were there it's... people coming and going. Or...
1: Yeah, yeah, look, like typical. So it went, so it was a one and a half year implementation in total. So yeah, so it went, it's people, people kind of change. Look change for natural reason i think we only had one person that kind of left. it was um, a developer from um, from as Well, from the client that left uh, very quickly uh, at the beginning of the project he was he was involved at the beginning then he left but then ladvil well found someone else and and we we carried over uh the changes um on our side were more more related to the type of work that was that was, that had to be done right so we we needed to perform a migration so so for, I don't know, for Sprint 2 or Sprint 3 required a big piece of a migration. So we had a developer coming in, um, helping us with migrating the data, for instance, right? So those were the changes that we experienced mostly, but it was a blend indeed. And that's, I think, that was great to have A couple of resources from the client Uh, so we had a developer or an an it it support from from the client that could actually picked up pretty well dynamics along the way you know could resolve very quickly all the access for us i was attending all the stand-ups was building also part of the the migration and integration has been built as well by 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 them so them owning and having that level of expertise along the way really helped so we acted as one team indeed what was the
0: relationship like between your project team and lives lived wells IT team you mentioned there was an IT manager there yeah. um was that a good relationship or or did you kind of sit sit separately from their IT department
1: yeah no it was great i mean that's why i think it, it's such a nice nice story uh, to share it, it's it went super well. The collaboration went, went was great from IT, business, and, and, and ourselves. We were really acting as one team almost from the beginning, to be honest. So, yeah, I rarely have seen such a good collaboration in between people as well. Very involved. And as you know, um, the IT director presented with me at the user group, right? Uh, very... Um, proud and happy to share the experience next next to us. So, and, and the product owner was also there, right, at, at the presentation. So that always tells you that we kind of, you know, bond quite well. Yeah, we were super lucky. I've I've been in previous projects where that collaboration was really different. And I shared that with them as well at the beginning or kind of the middle project. I said, wow, we're super lucky to have you guys acting as you act. Really don't change anything. This is the way you know collaboration works it's when we all engage together yes we make mistakes yes you know not everything is is perfect every day but everyone has that same vision and that same goal
0: were there any other challenging stakeholders in the organization that that maybe didn't give you such an easy time
1: yeah so indeed look we had some challenges with external stakeholders um from from lives the Live world well. i mean they look they it was an organization that required some uh reporting capabilities to be done uh by dynamics and and essentially they wanted they wanted great powerful reporting and that to be captured by by dynamics So they kind of put a bit of pressure on lives as well to improve or to enhance some of the feature that Dynamics actually couldn't re-deliver. And an example would be, for instance, right? We started with voice of the customer to capture very complex survey for clients, right? So labs of well dealing with people that have issues, they, you know, carry and, 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 you know, send very complex surveys to those people to, to, to basically check how they evolve over time. Midway through the project, uh, voice of the customer was made, um, I mean, Microsoft dep- deprecated voice of the customer. So we, we kind of transitioned to look at forms pro, which unfortunately at that time didn't offer the same level of functionalities essentially than voice of the customer. A lot was, was lacking, right? Like, you know, uh, complex, um, skip logic, scoring, uh, those right. things were not so easily done in forms pro. So this is this, that was, um, kind of a key moment where, also including that external stakeholder uh, wanting those those reports based on those survey need to be able to, uh, you know, have scoring and very complex scoring, right? So they kind of put a lot of pressure on labs as well and us uh, to kind of come with a better, you know, a better way of capturing those surveys. And we found, look, we found something, another tool to help us with that. What
0: what other challenges, either technical or political, did you face along the way in this project? It sounds like a dream so far, but um, there's got to be some other challenges you faced, Danny.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, that was so. This one was the major one that came true. Look, some challenges were about uh, look like always um, a bit with the, with the planning at the end, just according everyone. Uh, You know, we were supposed to go live, I think, um, end of January, and then suddenly, also because of that, those pressure from those external parties, we had to kind of suddenly integrate with that other tool, which caused not only a challenge in terms of, uh, yeah... Developing that integration, but also resourcing challenges. We had to push the go live of one month. You know, the migration integration, depending on that, was also kind of stretched. Resourcing, you know, we as 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 a as an SI, we kind of resourced the project until end of January. Suddenly we had to extend. So there were a couple of challenges um around that. And then doing the go live so Lives of Well went live beginning of March. And then, so it went well for the first two weeks, but then the whole COVID situation kicked in, right? So essentially what happened is all the workers providing services using dynamics, but providing services, uh, using the platform. Suddenly the, cause the rollout was supposed to be, I think, over a couple of months to adapt all the teams. They pushed the rollout. They squeezed the rollout in a couple of, of, of days almost, or they brought it forward because they had to have everyone on that online platform. Uh, so it's kind of.
0: So this is in. This is in early March, just as all the coronavirus yeah. restrictions were being yeah. put in place.
1: Wow. Well, it was. So look, in Australia was, was it so until mid March, everything was kind of going more or less all right. I think it's from mid March and they were live. So they went live the seven or. The 8th of March so one week live you know and and then the next week everything was was happening everybody working from home uh look they need all access to dynamics suddenly because that's the online platform that well they were reporting and so yeah so it kind of pushed a bit the you know the rollout squeezed the rollout to a shorter period of time and also yeah look the platform was meant to support um Worker providing consulting services physically, right? Uh, yeah, so we in kind person, of, right? I'll yeah, in Seventy
0: locations you're providing services. Exactly,
1: from. exactly. So switching everything to be now online, provided and and kind of. I mean, not much, but we had some of the processes not completely optimized to be to be you know delivered remotely only. So, for example now we are we are looking with with lives of well at um at transitioning completely online for some of the delivery of the of the service right like incorporating portals and omni channels so we prototyping all this with 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 the client but um uh, yeah, those were the challenges right
0: i'm um, I'm really interested in your initial pitch to lives lived well whenever they sent you this r f p as a systems integrator, we're quite often asked by a prospective client, what is your implementation approach? Yeah. And some Microsoft partners are choosing to pitch an Agile approach or yeah. say we use Scrum or or some custom hybrid. Um, but then when it comes to the statement of work, we're still using very traditional statements of work with requirement specifications in there. Yeah. Uh, and milestones based on analysis complete and yeah. design complete and development complete and test complete yeah has empire evolved its proposition during its proposal and in the statement of work how does that how does that look i don't know how much of that you're willing to share but it'd be awesome if you can reveal a little bit of how you won the work
1: yeah 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 look at that time so we we proposed agile from the beginning right so we said especially because as we discussed early with the clients, they said, "Look, that's our list of requirements, but we're not really sure about all of them. We probably need to revise some of them along the way." So Agile was the perfect, the perfect. So we proposed Agile from the beginning, and those sprints were in the in in our proposal, right? The sprints to have three-week sprints, and then a phase contained two sprints, and then at the end of the of the um, of the phase, you the guys can do some testing, and also having you know. Um, so what for what we did from the beginning is a lot of interaction with the users anyway and we said that right we so when we presented it was not only written the same of work but when we presented we said look we'll be sitting with you and some with some of the users trying to understand how you work empathize with you do a bit of shadowing session and so forth and after three weeks we will always do a showcase always right which later we renamed to a sprint review right but thank you we called it showcase <laughs> yeah we call showcase at the, at the at the beginning after three weeks and look and that's how kind of I think help us also I'm not sure if it help us win but definitely provide a bit more clarity about how that process would 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 happen of how the implementation would happen but that was one and a half year ago over that time we also evolved right <laughs> a bit more now look that process is way more formalized neil where look most of our clients have some sort of 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 understanding of the requirements but but they kind of also understand the approach that and when we when we pitch it to the client that look over the course of the project we propose to go agile because essentially we want to make sure the requirement is what you really need and you know we want to guide you through implementing that requirements In the best way possible in dynamics. And that may mean that maybe a requirement that you think is in dynamics is actually not. It's maybe even another product or it's maybe even not in in any product. Maybe it's a, it's a, it's a business change. Maybe it's a team reorganization, right? We say that in, you know, when we present our, our proposals as well. Because that's the reality of of project, right? And that's what what scrums yep. and agile's offer is that you know over the time of the project we kind of reevaluate the priorities of of the requirements, right? So
0: yeah, it's it's refreshing to hear you've engaged a client that that operates like that. I've often seen RFPs where the requirements are carved into a stone tablet, and you're asked to provide a very concrete estimate in response to that. Yeah, and I'm always amazed with the this this idea that I can define all of the requirements up front without meeting the implementation partner, yeah. without discussing the requirements with them, and without even knowing which product it is they're going to implement. Yeah. So it's great to hear that more and more clients are open to taking an agile approach and yeah. even admitting at the start of the project that this is what our requirements might look like, but yeah. we're, we're, we're going to change them along the way because uh, that's, that's a pretty yeah. mature realization to come to.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just to complement on this, I think we, we have that, that conversation with the clients at the beginning. We say, look, most of the time, or based on our experience, the requirements are not set at the beginning and you will see they will evolve, right? Because that's the nature of the business. That's the, once we start to know each other, you will know how we operate. We will know, know about your business and we will be able to tweak those requirements to be even better, but they cannot be set in stone at the beginning, right? And if the client... I mean, it's not even a client. If that prospect is, is not willing to admit that or to work with it that way. Then most of the time we we don't we don't proceed or we don't simply win that work because we come with an approach which involves mostly you know a discovery at least to kind of set a bit of an envisioning at the beginning just to make sure we have you know the goals of the of the project set and everybody understand the goal of the platform we we want to make sure we understand the current challenges that the company is facing and the industry at the beginning and we might review some of the requirements right we. Might I kind of, you know, the clients might think a requirement of priority one is super important for them. But when we do the initial discovery or initial workshop, we discover that way that what they ask will cost them, you know, hundreds of thousands, right? And by tweaking something else, uh, you know it will not meet that requirements 100%, but it will kind of meet halfway. It's cost almost nothing because it's out of the box in Dynamics. So you kind of reprioritize those requirements along the way and and get the most out of it, right? So, What
0: was your experience like using Azure DevOps as a backlog management tool? I've been using Jira on my last couple of projects. Azure DevOps, I use a little bit on this side, but I'm keen to hear more experience from teams that are using it day to day. How have you found Azure DevOps?
1: Look, we have been using Azure DevOps quite a bit, right? So I've I've used both Azure and and Jira, and I'm way more comfortable using Azure DevOps. I wouldn't imagine running a project now without, without that tool. So I've worked with Jira, but I have limited experience in there. I feel totally comfortable now in DevOps where we, you know, we, 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 classify all our requirements in, in epics, features, user stories, and we go to the level of task because essentially what we do with task, we assign them to, to members and especially empowered members. So the user story stays at the level with the client. The product owner owns that, but the task below, if there is something specific I need to do, I need to do a design on something or a developer need to do a configuration on something, we put that in the level of tasks and it's also how we track the hours because you can track the remaining, you know, the, sorry, the original hours remaining and completed. And we straight away see how, you know, the capacity and the resourcing evolve over over the sprint. So that's that's pretty handy. We use a lot of tags as well.
0: And the team from Live lives well. We're happy working in, in Azure DevOps as well.
1: Look, they pick it up like everything, right? So we came, we came, we show them and then, um, how that works. And, and they're using that internally now to assign tasks between them, right? Yeah. So as I said, we use stacks to kind of, for example, I've, Quite a couple of tags when I need to review things with with my clients. So I tag those when they're ready to be deployed to prod. I tag them ready to deploy. So it's kind of and I use a lot of colors as well because you based on tags you can color tasks and user stories. So it's again very colorful, very visual. Um, for another client, we I mean we we tried for lives as well, but it's 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 a lot of it requires a lot of um, first configuration. But for another client, we use actually the test suite in devops so having the test plans test cases and then running running read really the test test i think it's called test steps in using, using DevOps where you have a little pop-up coming in next to your screen and then you test and then you flag past, failed. And if something failed, you can very quickly take a print screen of that. You have the print screen tool in that little pop-up box. Yeah, it goes straight away to the person that, that developed that, that because it's linked to the user story it goes to the person that, you know, was working on that user story. So it worked pretty well on another project. So that's what we used for, for test plan. Look. I love it. Um, Yeah.
0: Danny, anybody who follows you on social media will know you're a pretty colorful guy. We use lots of colors in your solution envisioning diagrams. Um, Tell us how we can find out more about your material and, and follow you on social media.
1: Uh, yeah, thanks, Neil. So yeah, indeed. So I look, I, I passionate or I specialize a bit more, um, in, in mastering requirements and solution envisioning, visioning, which is indeed a lot of diagramming and visuals and, 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 and kind of prototyping and so forth, right? So I have my personal blog. So it's danicaheel.com. Um, I try to publish every, you know, two, three, four weeks. I'm not really set yet to a specific time frame I you know when I feel I have a good content then you know I I I publish it then yeah and I'm on LinkedIn as well so I'm actually starting very soon a little bit of an experiment as well so I'll be running tell us about that yeah 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 so I have discussed with you Neil as well so thank you for (laughs) for pushing me on On this and 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 kind of guiding me there, but the idea is I'll be running a peer group on mastering requirements and solution and visioning, and the people. What what does that that mean? A peer group? It's it's essentially a couple of of people that that I knew from the network that I thought, look, let's let me share my knowledge via a set of workshops about mastering requirements and solution envisioning. So we'll be having four workshops. We'll I'll be delivering what, my tips and, 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 and techniques uh, along that journey of mastering requirements and solution envisioning. So, you know, how to understand your users, how to shadow users and so forth, how to kind of challenge requirements without being too you know, uh, too offensive. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a, it's a bit of a technique there, right? Um, so having those...
0: I could do with some help there, Danny. I'm looking forward to this.
1: Uh, okay, good. So yeah, so having those workshops and I I'm thinking about engaging the audience to really share via some questions and an and exercise and challenges what they have done so that I learn I want to learn more about how people run those engagements, right? And and those techniques. So that's my little experiment that i will be running.
0: I'm sure once that's a success, other people will be clamoring to subscribe and sign up. So we'll make sure we get some links to that. Solution Envisioning and Mastering Requirements workshop in the show notes. Thanks, Danny.
1: Thank you, Neil. Thank you very much.
0: The Amazing Apps Show has had its first review on Podchatter, and it's got five stars. Neil creates awesome content, and his podcast is no exception. With the relaunch, his first episode of Amazing Applications was on point and offered great advice from so many well-known names and faces in the Dynamics and Power Platform community. Looking forward to see what comes in future episodes. Great work, Neil. That's from Megan Walker. Okay, so you know Megan is a friend of mine and a fellow Microsoft MVP. But if you'd like to connect, rate the show, and find other related podcasts, you can visit the show's listing on the Podchaser directory at customary.com slash podchaser, and you'll get redirected to the right spot. And remember, you can get show notes with links to Danny Cahill and his content at customary.com slash 003. In the next episode... We'll revisit estimating business applications. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss it. Until then, keep sprinting. Bye for now.